RNMD is a show about hospital relationships from the perspective of doctors and nurses. You're very smart, and we know that you would never come to a podcast for medical advice. So obviously, call your non-podcasting doctor and nurse team if you need any medical care. Oh, and we should also mention that we don't represent any hospital at all, ever. Okay, start the thing. Everybody. Welcome to RNMD, a show about doctors and nurses working together in this mad world of medicine. I'm Daniel, your doctor host. And I'm Abby, your nurse host. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that a lot of people have had on their mind if they've been working in a hospital this year during this pandemic. Between doctors and nurses, you know, we've both had our difficult times treating patients with COVID. It's created a lot of tension within clinics, hospitals, and different departments. And today we're going to talk to a close friend of ours, um, Saritha, who we know from New York. And we're going to be talking about doctors working with nurses with COVID patients and the amount of interaction that residents have with COVID patients and how that's impacted the nurses' interactions with COVID patients. And there's kind of been a debate out there with how much how much time residents and doctors actually spend with COVID patients in comparison to nurses. Um, and that's created a little bit of tension amongst the nursing community, which is rightfully so. Important to note that this episode was recorded in the springtime during the height of the pandemic in New York City. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for joining us. All right, so today we have a very special episode with a very special guest. Happens to be a good friend of mine that I worked with at my hospital, which I won't mention the name of. Her name is Saritha. How are you, Saritha? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me over. I mean, not physically, but <laughs> virtually over <laughs> to your pod. Yeah, that's for shorten. It's short. It's not podcast. It's our pod. That's better. But so you left us, and now you're a neurology resident at mm. a more special hospital than the one you were at a, before. A bigger hospital than our hospital. <laughs> a, a different kind of special. Yeah. yeah exactly. We're all special in our own ways. How are you liking it there? Are you are you liking neurology? Yeah, I'm liking it a lot. It's a high learning curve right now because, you know, you switch from like the general medicine to just the next day, you know, you become a neurologist and they don't, if there's no like official orientation or like boot camp. So it was a little bit of struggle the first week, but you know, I'm learning a lot and I'm liking it. That's awesome. Is it a lot of strokes and stuff or are there things that you see a lot of? Like in the neurology. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like it was good because my first year at the program we were at with you, everything was kind of like mixed. So I was already exposed to strokes and taking care of like strokes patients and all that stuff. So there was some exposure prior. So at least I wasn't kind of like completely lost. But yeah, there's a lot of strokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots of strokes. <laughs> yeah. So before we dive into this, if you want to just tell us like a little bit about yourself first, and then today we're going to talk about like the topic of 
COVID and doctors coming into the room or not coming into the room. And I know it's a topic that a lot of people had a lot of feelings about. So that's why we definitely, we chose you specifically. We wanted to talk about it with you because first of all, we all work together and we love you too. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Seriously, miss you guys. So my name is Sarita. I am a PGY2 currently in neurology I did my prelim year at the institution that you guys are at. Okay. So I want to read you guys something that somebody wrote me, and then it kind of sparked a topic that we were talking about on Instagram. So I I just want to read this to you guys, and then I want you guys to discuss it. Okay. So this RN wrote in, and she says... Okay, I'm having a problem forming relationships with the doctors after COVID. I spent hours at the bedside when the doctors were told by their management not to go in the room. They would stop me when I had three to four intubated COVID patients to ask me my assessments and then use them to write their notes. They were protected and I wasn't. This really showed me how little my life mattered to the hospital system. I know that it's not the doctor's fault, but I can't get over this feeling. You go ahead, Saritha. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's really unfortunate. I mean, I really feel for her, you know, like, to have to deal with COVID patients, and then having that additional stress that you feel like you don't have support. That's really sucky. And I feel like this is something that maybe if that individual, and I really hope that he or she feels safe enough to bring it up to their supervisor, because I feel like this is something that we can kind of work out as a group to. Because no one, especially during this time, should have to feel that isolated and, you know, have that so much pressure on themselves and like not feel supportive. Even though we have this like huge group of like doctors and interns and residents and, you know, other nursing staff, I feel like there's a lot of room to improve and kind of work together. I totally agree with that. I can echo on that. I think that was a perfect time, like in a hospital setting for such a thing to happen, like a pandemic where it's the most important time for all of us to kind of work together, you know? And in the beginning, when it kind of all started, we were all kind of confused of how to how to approach it. How are we going to do this together? How are we going to handle this, you know? And, you know, one of the problems that we saw was, you know, doctors going into rooms, you know, and, and nurses felt that, that there was a disparity between doctors going at the bedside mm-hmm. to see these contagious patients that we don't know anything about. Right. While the nurses are at the bedside from the beginning of their shift till the end of their shift, and they're constantly exposed to this contagious virus, which we don't know anything about. And we're trying to figure out how to work together. And it's really understandable that the nurse's perspective is like, you know, what the fuck? I'm going to use that word. Like, <laughs> we have the explicit tab on our <laughs> podcast. So it's okay. You can yeah. use that word. <laughs> and so it makes sense. At first, I was like, oh, you know, we're not going in because, you know, that's increasing exposure to the patient that, that is not necessary. Why do we need to go to the bedside if it's not necessary, if it's not going to change the management, things like that. But at the same time, you also have a job too, to take care of your patient. And part of your job is to, you know, see the patient, do a physical exam, things like that. And, sh- and, and kind of like giving a sense that you have an ownership of the patient, you're, you know, you're not just mm-hmm. allowing the nurse to do all of that kind of patient advocacy kind of side of the work as opposed to, you know, you're taking more of like a a sideline approach. So I can see why nurses got pissed off about that. 
I mean, do you do you guys feel like there is a responsibility for all doctors to see the patient or do you think that just the attending is appropriate? I mean, how do you feel about that? Well, personally, I think that if you're the one taking care of the patient, honestly, you know, you're on a team with your senior, what you're attending. And I think in the beginning when we're low on PPE or there's just a lot of unknown in terms of this disease and how the spread takes place, maybe initially might be appropriate to just have the attending. But I think the key is to have that communication between the medicine group and the nursing staff, because, you know, the way I feel like the nursing staff sees it is like, well, the interns are not going into the room and it's almost kind of like pulling teeth to like have them come and like see the patient. And it just feels like they're working, you know, extra hard to almost kind of pick up our slack because we're not like at bedside. We don't see these patients and stuff. So I think that was the part that was essential that was missing when we initially start. But for me personally, I, if I'm taking care of a patient, I would rather at least like see them because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm the one putting in the orders. I'm the one, you know, kind of changing the management. So it's like, for me personally, I feel I have to be there. I'm the same. I'm the same. Like when I'm taking care of patients, I need to see them. I need to examine them. I need to talk to them. I can, I'm not the type of doctor who can just look at a piece of paper and say, oh, this is the plan. You know what I mean? Because a big part of the plan is knowing the patient. And a big part of knowing the patient is seeing them, getting a sense of who they are, you know, the way they communicate, how they look. You know, that's a big part of your assessment as a physician or a nurse. It doesn't matter. You can't just say, oh, you know, based on this lab, you know, or or based on this. It's, It's just not a full picture, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's great that you guys have those feelings. And Dan and I specifically, we worked kind of together during COVID. I feel like you and I must have been in different places when it was happening, Mm -hmm. but Dan was working in the ICU and he was even doing like the consults. Like he he did a consult for one of my patients and like, Mm -hmm. without a question, you put PPE on and you just like went in the room, you know? And I think that's awesome Mm -hmm. that you both feel that way. Maybe we should have got somebody, a fourth person who's like a little more controversial, (laughs) but, but the problem is that we did, and I don't want to like call people out. I know that it is a really scary time. It was scary for everyone. But the facts are that we also, we had people like you guys who were really like willing to go in the room. And then we also had the opposite too. I had an experience where I had a doctor who wouldn't come and give the results. The patient was COVID positive and it was like the very beginning of COVID and wouldn't give the results to the patient face-to-face, wanted to give the results over the phone. And the excuse was that the person had family, you know, that was maybe at risk for COVID. Don't say anything, Dan. Don't say who it was. Well, okay. What I was going to do is I was going to create a character who's who, okay, <laughs> who you plays can that, that role. Oh, hi. How are you? This is Chris. I'm, <laughs> I'm coming to um, see the patient. <laughs> but they Go didn't ahead. come see the patient. It was like, I'm calling. It was, I'm calling for the patient's extension. That's how I found out that this was happening. I'm calling for the patient's extension and I wouldn't give it to them. I was like, no, you you can come to the floor and see this patient. For this patient specifically, it was a death sentence. And we knew that. We, we knew that that person mm. would, would, because of the health history, that that person mm. would probably not make it. And it ended up 
being what, you know, what inevitably, mm. you know, the person ended up in the ICU was on a vent for a long time and then was terminally extubated. So that type of thing where like, I'm not only going in that person's room multiple times a shift. I had like five to six COVID patients at that time. And then for this one doctor to say, I'm not coming in that room where like we're saying, I can understand if you're trying to conserve PPE and if it's not necessary, then please stay out of the room. Definitely. But that to me felt like that's necessary to tell that person face to face that they probably are going to die and they deserve to hear it from a doctor and they're paying their insurance is paying for that. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I feel like a lot of this, like you said, Abby is very depending on the context, like in this case, like this person is like you said, it's like a death sentence. And then it's obviously appropriate. And I feel like it's our duty to kind of like, give that answer. And it's like kind of part of being a doctor too. And you know, on the other hand, if let's say like, these are the patients that are like, kind of hanging out on the floor and you know, on like low requirement oxygen, we can't just be like running and telling 10 different people like they have COVID. But in this case where it's like, especially the nursing staff who, you know, you guys are like at bedside 24 seven, you like talk to the patients the most, you see the family, like, you know, them better than we do at sort of like kind of constant level. Like the fact that you brought it up and was asking that, I think it like, the resident or the intern or whoever that was communicated to should have just sort of taken it in more consideration that like, Hey, maybe this is like, you know, something more than just like, Oh, you can, you just go tell this patient, like he or she has COVID. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like, I, I don't know how much you had sort of told them when you were asking in terms of like, Hey, I really think this is like really important, but at the same time, I also felt like it's not your job to be yeah. like, I think you really, sh you know, yeah, I think it's, I guess it's just some people just have a very different perspective on these type of things, but I'm on board with you. Like if I feel like if there's something the nursing staff brought up to me, I, I know that I'm like, they have this instinct and I'm like, this is important. Like I gotta <laughs> address this. <laughs> That's true. I agree. I don't, I don't want to create like a culture you know, where it's like the nurse is always right and you should always listen to the nurse. Because I think that is like, it's kind of like perpetuated, especially on social media. People are people. And like you're saying, it's situation specific. But yeah, I think in some of these situations where like the doctors were able to opt out of participating in patient care, some of them did. And I, and I think that was just sort of the feeling of like, who are we then? We're just like disposable. I think that, and it's that again, it's like that person said, it's not necessarily the doctor's fault. It's not anything you guys did, but that's definitely the feeling that the nursing staff, especially the older nurses, like this specific night, the nurse working with me, she had COPD. And so like for her to see a young, healthy doctor say like, oh, I'm not going to go in the room. And she's just like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what you're, so what you're basically saying is nurses lives matter. NLM. Okay. <laughs> right. That's not yeah. a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're making that a thing. Mm. No, but no, I remember that night. I actually know exactly what nurse you're talking about, but yeah, that's a good point. What were you saying, Saritha? No, I was just saying that that's tough because you know, it's, I, I feel for the nurse, it's just like, you can't, expect the other person kind of like read your mind and be like, 
you know, like, oh, this person might have something or something that mm-hmm. could affect. So that's why I feel like, you know, like it's so essential for like the kind of that communication to happen. And I, I feel like I like using whenever I'm trying to express concern or saying that like there's something that I'm like, hey, I want you to help me. Like I would just like explicitly say it I'm like, hey, like I'm concerned about this. Can you please come versus like, can you come talk? Mm-hmm. It like doesn't, you know, give you any sort of context and be like, hey, I'm like, you know, a nurse works working here. Like I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about this and I know that I can't be in there because whatever, whatever, can you come help me? We, we were told, and by we, I mean all of the nurses in Manhattan. I mean, this was something I heard from all over. And then when COVID moved out of Manhattan, out of New York City area, I hear this even from Texas now, the nurses are, there's almost no reason for a nurse to be not taking COVID patients. We had pregnant PCAs and people with underlying health conditions. That That's something that is really not, we're not allowed to say, hey, I have this because the response is, you have if as long as you have PPE, you're not at risk. That that's what we're we were told. Mm-hmm. And by we I mean nursing, you know, not hospital specific. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that I think that's where the discrepancy is when the doctors are being told kind of the opposite. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, we were explicitly sent numerous emails in meetings. You know, mm-hmm. don't go into patients' rooms unless you need to go. Like that was explicitly told to us. That's the culture that was perpetuated. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think any individual intern or resident should, you know, bear the brunt of that. I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying it's not necessarily that individual's fault. I think mm-hmm. it's the culture that was perpetuated. I didn't I don't think they foresaw the consequences of perpetuating that culture amongst the other healthcare workers, including the nurses and PCAs and and, and everybody else, you know. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I felt like, honestly, after we're, we were about like a month in and maybe the PPE was a little bit more available, I, I did sort of initially pick up that frustration from the nursing staff that like, whenever, you know, I'm kind of like walking through the hall and then they asked me like, hey, are you going to go into the room? And I was like, oh, no, like, is there something wrong? You know, sometimes I feel like I get a little bit of a kind of a side eye and be like, okay, like, mm-hmm. you're not going to go in sort of thing. Like, did you already round on this patient? So I felt like I picked that up in the beginning. And so as time went on and I felt like we weren't at like a PPE, you know, shortage, like the severe part in the beginning, I just started going in. Like I honestly just kind of was like, okay, I felt safe and I was, I'm being safe with the PPE. So I felt comfortable going in, even though I know that, you know, for, for, from our program director or for the program, they kind of told us like, well, if, you know, unless you really have to do something, you don't have to go in. But I still felt like, you know, patients needed to see a doctor bedside too. And that was part of the problem too, is that we weren't told that we, we had no idea that you guys weren't being direct. You were being directed to 
you know, save the PPE. And also, especially on night shift, I didn't know that anyone was even seeing the patient at all. I didn't know that the attending was making a point to come in round so that you guys didn't have to. I didn't know any of that. So what it looked like to me was no one seeing these patients, no one's going in the room. I'm the only one here, you know, and it that was like a really bad feeling. Like I had no idea. And then I got really upset one night and I talked to Dan extensively about it. And he was very nice and explained some of this to me. And then I actually felt better. I was like, oh, okay, that does make sense. Like, I, I'm not into putting you at, you know, at risk, if you want to call it at risk or wasting PP or whatever the reason is, if it's not necessary. Like, definitely, we should all be on board for that. But like, none of that was explained to nursing at all. Like, there was zero communication, which I thought was really bizarre. Yeah, that is bizarre. At first, we actually argued about it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we had like a fight about it, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Well, because <laughs> I had a patient who was not doing well. And it, again, this isn't hospital specific, right? Everybody in New York City had the same problem. I mean, there were people, nursing and doctors, who were not ICU trained or, you know, that wasn't where they were comfortable necessarily in these areas because we were desperate. And we had that kind of, we had some PAs and some doctors who are not ICU. And I had a patient that was not doing well. And I had about four people through a porthole looking in and saying, okay, now raise the peep. Now do this, do that. And directing me kind of to do like an RRT by myself through through a hole, you know, in the, in the glass. And that night I just felt like I was in that room for two hours by myself and the fellow came in once to do something and then left. And I just felt like I'm a sacrifice, right? I just felt like a lamb, you know, for slaughter. And mm -hmm. I went upstairs and Dan was working that night. I texted him. I was like, we need to talk. And I like mm -hmm. was so upset and he was very nice and listened and talked me off the ledge a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you one thing that annoyed me as a resident. I mean, there's got to be a little bit of disagreement here. There were times when I was in the resident room, no PPE because we're not wearing PPE in a, in a, in a room away from, from units. And nurses would come in with their PPE that they were wearing in the COVID rooms. That annoyed me. I'll be honest with you. And yeah. they would get really, they would get even more frustrated when I would express that. I'm like, can you not wear your PP here that you should take it off, you know, like take your gun off after you leave the room. And I think mm -hmm. nurses were like, almost like trying to get back at us. I felt like by doing that, you know? Yeah, I, I can see that. I think, yeah, it maybe was retaliation a little bit like it, because there were times when, when the height of COVID was here we got to a point where you didn't have to take the PPE off because everybody was COVID. So if you're going around doing temperatures, you're not going to change your gown every single for 20 patients. Like that's just a waste. So at that point, we just assumed it's in the hallway period. Yeah. So yeah, I can see where like, that's also not appropriate. Like we have clean zones and dirty zones and like the resident mm -hmm. room should be a clean zone. Mm -hmm. Word. Wait, Saritha, what were you going to say? Now, I was going to say that I felt like initially there was so many moving parts and I felt like our program, even though like over time we did a really good job like coordinating like PPE and changing around schedules and stuff like that. But I felt like in the beginning, I just didn't feel as supported because I, I would you know, show up to the wards and then 
I just felt like the nursing staff would already like know where the PPE are. It's like, they're all stacked and like, they know exactly where to go. And then hear me, you know, showing up to where, you know, like, I don't even know where to get a new mask. Like, I don't even know where I can get, grab my shield. Like, you know, like there's a, there's an RT or a code, like I'm supposed to go to. And I was like, I don't even know like where who, to go. I can ask where to get it. And if I do ask, and I had this one experience where like, I had to go re-swab a couple patients. And so, you know, obviously I need on top of the N95, whatever, like a shield. And there was like no shield to be found. And so I had to ask one of the, you know, the unit secretary. And then she was going to give it to me. But then, you know, yelling from across the hallway was like, you can't give her that. Like, those are for the night people. So it's like, I was just like, I'm no. sorry. Like, I don't know, like, what to do. Like, I'm supposed to do this as part of my job. Just like, go swap these people. And they're telling me, like, I don't deserve this PPE because it's supposed it, to be reserved. You know, so in the beginning, it was very uncomfortable because I also didn't feel supported by the nursing staff either, even though we're supposed to be working on the same team when taking care of the same people. So that was kind of, you know, unfortunate. I I can definitely see that, especially in when we were being told we might have to recycle PPE, which was really a Mm -hmm. scary, thank God we didn't have to do that. But yeah, we were being very protective over the PPE. Yeah. And I think you could use the excuse. And I definitely think it's an excuse that like, oh, well, we're in the room. But like you're saying, if you're going to swab patients, you have every right to have a shield. Like you definitely need that. So to kind of give pushback or to make it awkward for you to get it is not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I mean, luckily, you know, another nurse stepped up and I was like, Hey, that's not right. And like, she needs the PPE, like we'll try to get it somewhere else. So, you know, it kind of resolved, but it was very (laughs) awkward. Yeah. It's funny that you're using the example of shield because you know that you gave me a shield, right? And I still have it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So a 3D Sarita, printed shield. <laughs> yeah. Sarita's friend printed a th- with a 3D printer a bunch of shields no and she like really nicely came around the units and was like passing them out. And it's like this really nice like dirt, like stir stir Yeah. Like sturdy. Durable, sturdier. sturdy. <laughs> yeah. Thing. And I still have it. That's oh, awesome. That's great. I that's should great. mention something really important. Sarita was at the forefront of supplying our residency with donations from restaurants and and getting food for us almost every day right Sarita I'm not almost every day but you know there was a lot of boba involved a lot of boba (laughs) lots of boba involved but yeah yeah. I got it once. I remember I would I would be part of this group <laughs> chat. I don't know how I got involved in the group chat, but my phone kept like vibrating in my pocket. And all I'm like sorry. I would open it and I just saw the word boba like 50 times. I was like, boba, boba, you ready for boba today? <laughs> I'm just like, all it's right. Boba time. Yeah. Boba time. No, I think that's that's one of the things I felt like was good during this COVID time. I felt like food was bringing everyone together and I was able to like get to know the nursing staff and build bonds. So, you know, whenever we like get donations and stuff, like we'll kind of go around and share the food. And it's just, I don't know. I I enjoyed that part, even though initially it was very stressful. Yeah, me too. We talked about this once that like food is like our love language. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right, right. There's a lot of love languages. Yeah. We, we 
we did the same thing. Like Dan would bring food for the residents or get or have someone donate and then he would like come mm-hmm. around and give it to the nurses. It definitely was nice. Like we had a PA on night shift in the ICU that his family actually, like his parents wanted to do something nice and they bought like 50 pizzas and not just like pizza, like this like really fancy and like they were all different and they were like beautiful. And it really like even now, like when I see him, I'm like, hey, like it it like warmed my yeah, heart that like his right. family like tried to feed right. us. You know? Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Did you guys get sick of pizza? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I don't know how much pizza I ate in a month, but the scale shows. Yeah, That's for me sure. too. Yeah, I'm still trying Seriously. to work it off. The scale yeah. shows. <laughs> the COVID-19 in, yeah. ki- in kilograms. Just, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. Wait, how, how was Epic? Epic? I like it okay. I feel like there's there's a lot of things about it that's like way better than Prism, like ordering and stuff. But I feel like there's just like too many tricks. And I, I hate the yeah. fact that um, they're... They, their MAR is really hard to look at to see mm. like when things were last administered. I felt like that was easier on Prism. Yeah, it was. I agree. Yeah. And sort of like investigating like who canceled, who discontinued this order, who like started. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. You got used, that, you got that, used that, to Prism. That, yeah, that part I missed, but everything else like, that the copy forwarding, like that's like, ooh, this is so much better. Yeah. I never have to copy labs and imaging and all of that. Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> Did you know we're epic, right? Yeah. How how was that going for you guys? So weird. Yeah. So weird, dude. You have no <laughs> idea. Everybody's like, is it what did Abby make a thing? Yeah. She was it, like <laughs> Yeah, the nurses are like, eh, about it's a lot of charting. It's like a lot of extra charting. Yeah, and you have to like do notes now, right? Don't you yeah. have notes or well, so we did before. It's just that you guys couldn't see them. So yeah. What? Yeah, we yeah. actually did like tons of documentation in Prism that you guys just like straight up didn't have access to. What? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I knew that actually. Uh, oh, I yeah. did not know that. <laughs> I told oh my God, him, yeah. I'm like, look, yeah. look at all of this that I do every patient, every shift, and no one reads it. Like, yeah. That's so <laughs> shitty. Wow, we, I can't believe I'm finding this out now. This is that's so horrible. We had a discussion actually on Instagram recently about like is this a lie that like nurses have been told because we're told that like our documentation is crucial. Like it's like really important. Like joint commission audits it and reads it. It's like the criteria, one of the biggest criteria if a hospital becomes magnet or not. And definitely within like a deposition or something, it's like, it's always read. It's like a big part of that. But the, we were like debating of if we were told that and if it, or if it's true, like, and so people were writing in, like some people were saying like, literally no one ever reads it unless it's audited. And then some people were saying like, oh no, I've seen it used in court cases and like, whatever. So Mm. I don't know. I I feel like sometimes it's really helpful, especially overnight stuff. Yeah. Because by the time I feel like I pre-round, you know, the night people, like night RNs had already left and they're the one that kind of like knew what had happened overnight. Because sometimes I'm like going in pre-rounding and then the, the 
day nurse is like, I don't know. I just got here. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, I was like, is there anything overnight you were concerned about? They're like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it would be like helpful to like have like the notes from overnight be like patient was like agitated and this didn't work and whatever. Definitely. I had a resident, an intern recently, the day shift intern for ICU, she made it a point to come when I was giving report to the day shift RN and she mm-hmm. would just sit there and listen. And listen, at first, yeah. it weirded me out at first. I was like, can I help you? Like, do you need something for me? She's like, no, I'm just listening. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It almost is kind of like nice to have like a group sign out. Definitely. But yeah. I know that's like, that's very time consuming, but I feel like that would be something essential. Cause totally. it's like what you guys tell each other is like so different from what we, yes. you know, on the medicine team tell each other, but then they like come together. Like it's like puzzle pieces that like I need to hear like your input too, but. And vice versa. Like you guys are talking about stuff that we have no idea about sometimes. And like reading the note, I don't get that information always. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One of the main things that people were writing was the assessment, like that the doctors were not doing their assessment and they were stopping the nurses and asking them like that was something repeated and then using that information. So maybe we could talk about that next. Yeah, that's not bad. I think it kind of goes on the same vein of what we were saying, but I I actually agree. You guys should just do the assessment and tell us what it is and we'll write it in the note. (laughs) You guys can go home. (laughs) We'll just do it. (laughs) Yeah. Just like Epic chat us or zoom us, zoom chat us and let's call it a day. Why not? (laughs) I don't know. Did you guys see this? Did you see that happening? Saritha. I mean, I definitely um, saw it happening. Yeah. With my I'm, interns. I, I feel like, yes, I, I was on, I feel like I was on the ICU half the time. So that didn't happen because like when I was in the ICU, like we had to go in, mm-hmm. but on the floor, I feel like maybe I've, yeah, I've seen my colleagues do that. And I think it's, Part of it is also like the way you were asking the nursing staff to about those information, just sort of like, I don't know, like, I feel like there's a way to ask it more appropriately than just like, Hey, like, what do you think? Like, what's the assessment mm-hmm. sort of like, is there anything you're concerned about? And if there is an okay, I'm going to go in and like, look at the mm-hmm. patient too. But if it's something like, Oh, you know, I, I think they're, they're chilling, they're doing okay. Like then I, you know, obviously I trust you too, but or like a specific thing. Like I didn't expect, like if we were doing like pulse checks on, you know, like a left leg or something, like I don't expect you to gown all the way up for that. If I already did that, you know, that's part of my assessment too. You can ask me like, oh, was there a pulse Mm -hmm. there this morning? You know, whatever. Like that didn't bother me at all. Cause I don't expect that, you know? Mm-hmm. But it was like, yeah, it was when I was being asked like a full assessment and then mm-hmm. I would read the note and I would see like my assessment. I would be like, what? <laughs> that's pretty yeah, bad. That's, I've, I've never seen that's that before. Mess- yeah, that, that's messed up for sure. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. To be fair, though, a lot of doctors also got COVID, right? So like, mm-hmm. like we're saying, like, it's not like doctors are a group. It's not like you can't say all doctors didn't go in the room or all doctors did, right? Some did and some didn't. And then some got sick too. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. I know I did. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was sick for a while. You were really sick. Remember? Yeah. You were really, really sick. Yeah. I saw a picture of myself from that era and I'm like, who the F is that? Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember I came back after I was sick and a lot of people said like, you look, you look fresh. I was like, do I look different? <laughs> and I didn't know. And then I looked, I looked look at pictures fresh. from back then. I was like, uh, whoa, like I probably look scary. Like, I don't know if it was a you mixture gotta, of You like, got to send me that picture because I feel like I've never seen you, you know, you're always like so like well put together, put together, I'm, you know, fresh. Those of you on the podcast, you can't see me, but apparently I look really fresh and put together. Are you wearing sweatpants right now? Sweat shorts. <laughs> Sweat shorts. shorts. I'm wearing short <laughs> shorts. I like that. That's pretty good. I'm wearing a t-shirt as well, guys, if you want to visualize this. It's a navy t-shirt with uh-huh. black shorts. Shorts. <laughs> Dr. Schwartz here. <laughs> That's funny. Right? That's funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm so happy you came on the podcast. You know, it's good to have like a f- familiar face. Yes. You know? Yeah, for sure. So give my, you know, like intern like perspective. Yeah. Starting definitely. in medicine, I feel, you know, a new a noob perspective. <laughs> what was it like for you being an intern? Like being intern years already a lot, and it's really scary. And then COVID happened in New York mm-hmm. City. Right. <laughs> that that was quite an experience. I mean, thankfully, it happened at the last part of intern year. So by that point, you're like, you know, more or less comfortable with the system. And you were like, you know, the staff. So that helped a lot. I, I mean, I can't imagine if this happened like in July, like yeah. that would be a hot mess. Oh, my Definitely. God. I had floors imagine? in July. <laughs> I had floors in July, like as a senior. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm straight up at minimum two RRTs a day. I had three codes. Two of them were VFib codes. All of oh them eventually God. passed. Yeah, it was a disaster. Oh. It was absolutely, yeah, it was crazy. It was the hardest rotation I've ever done. It was insane. Oh my gosh. So what are you um, cooking today? What am I cooking? Yeah. Actually not cooking today. I have a lot of leftovers. So just eating all those. Yeah. Oh, cool. Those are yeah. good too. Do you guys have anything else to add about COVID stuff? Like, no, I mean, mm-hmm. no. So I guess, like, from a neurological perspective, now that she's a neuro resident, what's interesting is like a lot of people coming in with strokes actually from COVID, straight up, because you have this like thrombotic state you're put in from the inflammation from the infection. Patients coming in with pulmonary embolisms, thrombi, and like the most random places, including in the cerebrovascular system. And some people come in with strokes. I don't want to say this, but I had a friend whose friend, whose friend actually died from a stroke in the setting of COVID. Wow. Oh, like a a young person? Young person, 31 year old. Wow. Oh my goodness. I know. That's so sad. So sad. I know. That's interesting because I, I was just like, you know, on the stroke unit and it's kind of interesting because on medicine, we're like, COVID this, COVID that, and, you know, like on our list runner or like, you know, patient list, it's like explicit, like COVID negative times five or COVID positive or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. But I find that on my stroke unit, that was like not in any of the conversation. Like they they don't, yeah. Like they don't talk about like, oh, is this 
person COVID positive. Like, yeah, they're COVID positive, but we're like focusing on the stroke. Like it was very interesting. It's a very different like vibe. Like they don't. Yeah. Yeah. That is weird though. Cause I mean, they're linked. So you would think they would mm-hmm. be. You would think that they would like talk a little bit. Maybe it's because, you know, I'm like joining at the later part of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they kind of had that whole conversation already but yeah. it's just it's just interesting that's just one thing I've noticed that they like didn't really bring up that you know about the COVID status of the stroke patient here how were how were relations between like doctors and nurses within neuro I know you're not a primary team anymore so it's kind of a different dynamic right well we we are the primary team on oh, the stroke are. unit okay. yeah on the stroke on the yeah. stroke unit and on the general floor unit we are yeah are they chill are they you guys work together well yeah, I, I would say so. I think it helps out because we're always there and it's very, it's geographic there. So we're there at the unit and it's the same group of staff. So I think we get to know them a little bit more versus like back at, you know, the old hospital. It's kind of like different floors and there are just so many people like shifting. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I feel like it's a little bit more of a family. Like I, I know like the faces, I learned their faces more quickly. Yeah. That's really hard for the nurses. Like your schedule, like how you guys rotate and we don't really understand that or like how long you're going to be at our unit or where you are sometimes. Like that's really tough and it's really tough to build relationships that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Any gripes? Yeah. Give us your gripes. Gripes? (laughs) Yeah. What is that? Anything that pisses you off or anything that you... Like are annoyed about this guy uh, with 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 the new system or the old system? No, with no, the with the nurses. Oh, with the <laughs> nurses. <sighs> Don't worry, they they won't hear this. Okay, Except- I <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this almost, and I feel bad because I know that this is like more of the older generation nurses, like with oh, the whole shit. paging system. Oh uh, yeah, vers- yeah, yeah. Versus like sending messages, you know, it's like. I like overnight for neuro, like I get so freaked out when you get like a consult page or, you know, like, cause all our pages are going off. Like so many times we cover like stroke codes, consults and like all the floor people like by myself. So then it's like traumatizing every time, like my pager goes off. I'm like, Oh my God, like this is going to be something big or, you know, (laughs) something like that. So then I get this like page like going off and then it's, and then I like call back right away. Cause I was like, Oh my God, it's like a new console. And they're like, Oh, can you renew restraints? (laughs) <laughs> at 3 a.m. <laughs> like 3, 3 a.m. Can you renew restraint? And I was like, oh my God, my God. That's hilarious. You know, it's funny too, because even when Bob Beck was talking to us, it's always 3 a.m. That's always the example. And <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know why from a nursing perspective? Because that's like the first time I get to sit down. Like that's like, Yes. I, yeah, I it, totally it, understand. And then so you guys are like, what the hell? It's like the middle of the <laughs> night. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's literally the first time I was able to like look at my orders. Yeah, and like, like oh, through your shit. orders. Yeah, it's all yeah, expired. Like- I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> like, <laughs> Abby's the kind of nurse that at 3.14 a.m., she's messaging you about a note that has information in it that nobody read. I know. It says the (laughs) attending note says that we should increase the colchicine dose. It's like 3.14 a.m. and the night team has no idea the patient's even on colchicine. They get so annoyed. (laughs) They get so annoyed with me. I know. I know it's annoying. keep us on tab. We're supposed to read those notes. (laughs) 
Yeah, I know okay. it's annoying. I'm good for that. But no, the diet orders is annoying. The diet orders, like, yeah, it's three foot. Did you make sure there's a diet order? It's Breakfast like, oh, is man. coming. They, they, it needs to be updated. I don't know. Food is a big deal. It's a big deal. I big mean, deal. I'm. I'm with you. I have food is the big. If I'm a patient, I'm like, if I don't get, if my I don't get my breakfast, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah, same. Yeah, I would be like that too. I know. I would just order seamless. If I was a patient, I just order seamless. All we the time. had people do that. We've had people do that, and they're not allowed to leave the unit. And they'll like have somebody come up. They'll like give the guy an extra tip and have the pre-COVID have the delivery guy come up and deliver to their room. I've seen that. Wow. That's I think it's I would do that. Crazy. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I would totally do that. Our hospital food sucks. It sucks. It really does. It it's does. So I'm gross. like, I'm sad. It's oh, nasty. since you left, Saritha, our our food changed. Like our, our noon conference food. Oh, really? Yeah. Tuesdays we get Del Toro Mexican food. Ooh. Dos Toros. Is that what it's called? Dos, Dos Toros. Dos Toros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on Friday we get real pizza. It's actually pretty good. I'm not gonna complain. It's like dude, oh two bro. Did yeah. happen. Oh, it happens. No, yeah. no more Papa John. Papa John's. That's so gross. <sighs> uh, I know. I, I can't funny. believe. Like when I first joined the program, I was like, I cannot believe. Like this is a New York program, and y'all are getting. I know. Papa John's I know. Fridays. I'm like, I'm like, it's not even that much cheaper. It's not so, like, so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad that's happening. Yeah, dude, it really changed happy. everything. Our 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 food sucks right now because they're they're still all like oh COVID, so everything's like packaged and it's like horrible. Uh, that sucks. Oh sweet. Yeah, but it's okay. We got a stipend though. They gave us a stipend. I mean, stipend. Oh my god, what do you guys <laughs> think about COVID coming back? You think it's going to come back to New York? Mm. Dude, New I York. Like... I have I have faith. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to happen. I hate it. Yeah. You feel like it's going to be as bad though? No, I don't. I think it'll come back. The reason why I say that is because I'm already seeing it. I shouldn't say this. You're oh, not I'm the seeing, You're not yeah, the only one. Prime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. So, Saritha, remember like in the peak of COVID when uh-huh. you would see like primary COVID? I'm saying primary COVID because I'm not talking about the complications from COVID. I'm talking about like fevers, chills, cough, yeah, yeah, yeah. ground glass uh, opacities. We haven't seen mm-hmm. that in a long time. Maybe since mm-hmm. like June, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to see those cases again. Really? Yeah, I admitted like a peer. I'm curious too because right now, obviously, I don't see that a lot of that because I'm on neuro. So like all the COVID patients are like going to medicine. So like, yeah, this this is kind of concerning. Yeah. yeah. I I know one of the doctors that I talked to, she's a palm doctor in in Detroit, Nina, Dan, you know, Nina. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. She, she said something similar on one of her Instagram stories. She said like, she's, she had six or seven COVID primary COVID admissions recently. And they kind of got hit when we got hit. And then it, it seemed like it got better for them. So that just indicates to me, like it is kind of coming back and then like mixed with flu season. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. At least we have PPE. At least the people in New York City are really good about wearing masks and social Mm -hmm. distancing. I mean, in the hardest, Mm -hmm. the city that's the hardest to do those things, the people here really do it. So I'm really grateful to the city. But yeah, people in like Houston, the nurses in Houston are like, people are just having parties and barbecues and whatever. And our COVID ICU is full. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think we should be okay. I smuggled in some Russian vaccines. 
Perfect. <laughs> can, I, can I be your first person? I want to get a vaccine. Just well, test it on it. me. Yeah. Do you, if we have a vaccine, a COVID <laughs> vaccine, would you guys get it? I would, I would definitely get it. <laughs> I'll test it out for y'all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I actually like that. It's kind of cool. We'll talk to you <laughs> next episode after you got the vaccine. <laughs> oh no, nah, I'm just messing. But thanks I, for coming on. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. yeah we, thank you. You guys are awesome. We, yeah, we miss sure. you. I know. Yeah. I'll miss you. Oh. Come back and get man, and share some. Wait, like, Abby, recipes. are you are you on days now, or like what? Did you switch your schedule completely? I switched. I'm in ICU now, but I'm back on nights. I was on days for a while, and then I switched. So now I'm I'm permanently oh, on night shift. Back on nights. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We have to work for a year on nights before we can apply to be on day shift. Oh, I even see, though I see. even though I already did my year, but it wasn't in the ICU, so they. Uh. Whatever. I'm lame. Yeah, it's mm. okay. It's fine. I mean, yeah. I, I actually never minded working nights. I actually, I liked it. I know. I remember you telling me. Yeah. And then this last time though, when I was training for the ICU, I was doing day shift and then I think it hit me. I was like, I don't want to go back. Like I hate nights now. Mm. Like all, it's just like out of nowhere. Mm. I was like, I hate this. <laughs> so bad. I mean, that's you- so funny. I would never want to do that. I'm sorry. I'm not talking shit about you night floaters out there, but I don't know how you do it long term because you're on night shift and then your days off, you're like in between. You can't like live a normal life. By the time you adjust to days, which you inevitably will because that's how normal humans are, Mm -hmm. you have to go back to work and, and it's night shift. Yeah, it's like what kind of life is that? I can't do that. Yeah, some the, people love it though. My my aunt is a like long time night nurse, and she oh, really? did it for like forty years. Yeah, until oh she God. retired. Yeah, wow. it was like that's her thing. That's awesome. <laughs> we need I didn't know we that. need night we need night people. So I'm like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, definitely, we do need night people. And I I mean, I give anybody who can do nursing for that long, I give them so much credit because it's so tough to do it for yeah. decades like that. It's really right. tough. I mean, it's physically tough. It's emotionally exhausting. Like that's, that's awesome that she, she loves nursing that much. Yeah. Thanks All for right. coming on. You're the yeah. best. Yeah. Thank, thank you. So you much. guys are yeah. awesome. What's your, what's your Instagram handle? Oh yeah. Oh, my handle. Yeah. I probably should change right now. It's like Sarithosaurus. <laughs> so, oh, like a dinosaur. <laughs> no, I like that's that. Funny. I was like, this is probably not professional. <laughs> no, I think that's it would funny. work. This is like yeah. from like, you know, like whatever undergrad, but. I think funny. it's funny. That's good. I, I could, I could think of something else different, but, but you can, yeah, you can feel free to tag me. I don't care. Okay. Okay. The one that I had before this, and I had this big like crisis, should I switch it to something or what, what should I do? Cause it was narwhal burp. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, I turned 30 and I was like, I should think about switching this. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Abby, that's really funny. I'm glad you changed it. Honestly. Yeah, it's better. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not going to be nocturnal anymore. I know. Eventually, I, so that's going to be the next thing. Like, am I going to keep it? Even if I go, if yeah. I ever switch to days, will I keep it? I'm not sure. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. Well, thank you for, you know, what you're doing. It's like amazing that you're putting so much time into, you know, helping change the culture. And I'm very happy to be a part of it and that you included me. Yeah. We, we, Amazing. you're always, 
you're always like a big supporter of nurses. And that's why we, especially for this episode, because this one is a little emotional for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. So we wanted to have somebody, you know, like that we trusted (laughs) to Mm -hmm. come on. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank Thank you. you. We miss you. you We miss you too. Okay. (laughs) Take care. All right. right, Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show we really appreciate it if you have any questions or comments any topics you'd like to submit please send them to rnmdpodcast at gmail.com you can also send them to our instagram account which is rnmdpodcast or my personal instagram account is the nocturnal nurse if you like the show please like please subscribe also if you have any suggestions of how we can make this better this is for you guys And we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.